is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. My name is Chris Wilterdink, and I'm the director of Young People's Ministries for Discipleship Ministries of the United Methodist Church. And I am hanging out this morning with Jeremy Steele, who is on the pastoral team of Los Altos United Methodist Church out in uh, Los Altos, California, which is kind of by Silicon Valley, if you have. Oh, it's not by Silicon Valley. We're in the heart, baby. Okay, the the beating Android heart of Silicon Valley. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, Apple was started in a garage about a mile and a half from here. Have you done that pilgrimage? Have you taken the walk? And It's in my neighborhood, actually. So, yeah. yes, all yeah. the time. You should. Uh, and uh, we're also joined this morning by Jared Johnson, uh, who, <laughs> Johnston, sorry, Jared, uh, who uh, <laughs> is nowhere near the beating heart of Silicon Valley. Uh, <laughs> you are coming to us from Paris, Texas, as I recall. Paris, um, Texas. Yeah. Uh, and Jared, would you mind uh, just giving everybody a quick introduction, um, kind of your current role in ministry and how you might be connected to youth ministry in one way or another? Uh, yeah. So I am an associate pastor at First United Methodist Church of Paris, Texas. Uh, I get to pastor the Connections community, which is uh, the second campus. Um, it's been around for about 12 years, and I just started here in July. I actually live in the bustling metropolis of Reno, Texas, which is a suburb of Paris. And yes, we have an Eiffel Tower here with a red cowboy hat on top, in case you were wondering. Um, So I've been in and around youth ministry uh, for a while. Uh, My spouse, Leanne, uh, was actually a career youth minister for a long time and uh, worked at the conference level the Central Texas Conference, um, where my ordination is, um, currently serving in North Texas. I have uh, supervised stewardship campaigns for several churches. I served at Union Coffee in a Path One Church planting residency for a year, about five years ago, um, where I learned a lot about fundraising and grant writing and how you kind of cultivate those relationships in uh, a new faith community with the congregation and in community leaders that love and support it from around. Um, So I've done stewardship stuff for big church budgets and now I'm in kind of a smaller church budget scenario. Um, And very different. Jared, you do a great job sort of introducing the Biggest idea, right? So one of the things that we're going to be doing is over the course of a month, really focusing in on one topic that is important in youth ministry. And uh, this um, this month's topic is uh, fundraising. And so we've got several different aspects of fundraising that we are going to be talking about. And, um, and, and, and today, we're going to be talking about what doesn't work. And this is especially for people who are considering like a a fundraiser that they've heard about, or if you're new, if you're a volunteer youth worker, um, this is going to help you avoid some, uh, some disasters by learning from our mistakes. (laughs) There's a certain power in being able to admit that, yes, we have made mistakes and things have not always been perfect. 
Um, and, and honestly, the the idea for doing fundraising as our big topic for September came about because uh, in the creating of the crash courses for youth ministry and looking at the fundraising piece, Jeremy and I realized that fundraising is a basic expectation of almost every youth ministry position yeah. that's out there. Uh, and and honestly, Jared, like ministry in general, there's a tremendous amount of fundraising that needs to take place, right? Um, yes. So whether or not something with fundraising is written into a job description, or if you are a volunteer youth leader, a full-time, a part-time, and anytime youth leader, fundraising is just a reality that you have to do. Um, and honestly, not uh, a ton of youth workers may realize that there is that fundraising sense to the like larger scale of the local church as well. So when we talk fundraisers, um, from your perspective as somebody that needs to advocate and support youth ministers uh, as a senior pastor and as an associate pastor, Jared, how do you try to balance some of that fundraising stuff? Well, tell you, in a previous church I served, all the program ministries were unbudgeted. Youth ministry, children's ministry, uh, worship ministry. So there was a fundraiser every weekend in the narthex of the church for something. Thankfully, the senior pastor and I agreed that the problem was that the, the church budget wasn't honest, right? The church needs funds to go in the operating budget, right? To support like, okay, so you're fundraising for the youth mission trip. That's great. But do we have a salary to support a full-time youth ministry? You know, all of us know how to do lots of ministry with like zero funds, right? Yep. You, you learn that pretty early on, but is the work being appreciated and loved by the congregation enough to actually, you know, put that, you know, half-time youth minister who's working full-time to work full-time. Like, let's let's be honest about it. So I think in anything, you know, one of the things that, you know, the youth minister needs to know and um, what the congregation needs to know and what the senior pastor, pastoral team needs to advocate for is an honest church budget. Does youth minister know what the budget is? Do they know what the budget is for their department? Which often... They'll tell you, yeah, you know, it's whatever. And then you ask for something. And it's like, well, we don't have the money for that. But you said I had, you know, a $5,000 budget for this year. This is where I want to spend it. Well, we're on a spending freeze right now. Well, nobody told me that, you know. So is the church being honest and public about its finances in a way that helps, helps program ministry do what it needs to do? And it's not just about events, right? It's about building relationships. If you're fundraising every weekend, are you, do you have the time to actually get to know your students? Like it's about student ministry. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I think that's an important piece of this. Obviously there's a, there's very little most youth workers can do to, yeah. um, to ultimately, like we have, we have little direct control over the church budget. Like we can ask, we can advocate, we can do those yeah. kind of things, but ultimately, uh, that's, I mean, it's partially why we have fundraising. I, I remember uh, I was I was at a conference with a bunch of youth workers, and uh, and fundraising came up. And one of the one of the churches that um, that was present there had said we're, we're doing no fundraisers. We are just increasing everybody's budget by the amount of fundraisers that they they had last year or something like that so that we're not asking that that sounds awesome to me but yeah. that's just not reality you know so but but the thing we do have direct control over are fundraisers and the worst thing 
to do, I think when it comes to fundraisers is to like waste time. Like you just said, like if you are fundraising every weekend, a we've got a, you know, there's probably an advocacy with the church thing, but there's also like, you're probably doing crappy fundraisers. And there's some important, there's some good thought that could go into um, how to reduce the the amount of fundraising you're having to do. And, and, And part of that is the stuff that doesn't work. Right. So, uh, I'm thinking yeah, let's, let's talk about some of those ones that don't work very well. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah let's, 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 been do it. let's do that because, because I've been there and oh there's, my nothing gosh. there's nothing that's more frustrating than putting a bunch of time and energy oh and my gosh. into something that you get nothing out of. Right. Yep. Um, yep. So one of the ones that I've done in the past that just did not shake out very well was selling can I say junk? I want to use a stronger word, but I'm not gonna. Um, selling junk from a catalog. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's been done. It's, yeah. And every band booster has already beat you to it. And elementary schools. And like, <laughs> like I'm getting these things from my kids. And it's really cute. Like cute the Christmas present shop, right? Like we did that when we were kids. Uh, it's good, but I mean. Okay. And and here's what I don't think a lot of people understand is, you know, you actually only get a percentage of the profit that the company makes. So let's just say you're selling cookie dough for $50 a bucket. The company (laughs) says we make $10 a bucket off of each of these cookie doughs. You get five bucks at best, right? Yeah. Off of each one of those sales. And then guess what happens at the end of it? Because the company, they don't deliver it except to the church. Right. And then somebody gets to sit in a room full of cookie dough buckets and figure out how to distribute all the stuff. And then there's always the person that forgets that they ordered or didn't pay, or you have to figure out how to deliver something to somebody. I mean, it is. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot. And you end up and you're just like, well, you end up with like a, a car wash amount of money. Oh, good. We're talking car washes too. <laughs> please, Jeremy. I know that you love the car wash. Oh my God. Will you so please? I was going to go with, is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, that's, that's <laughs> why I go with these things. Like the effort I'm putting in worth the output. Yeah. So, which is, which is interesting because I think that's the thing with car washes. Um, <laughs> Is that there's like now. <laughs> a little? There's a there's not a lot of effort. You go buy some soap and some sponges. You find some parking lot that doesn't care that you're in a drought in California, right? And and you hook your hose up. And but uh, <laughs> the problem is, uh, well, I I, I can't. I'll, I'll tell you. I, I remember going to one of these and at the end it was like i was there right at the end and, and the youth passed i was like how'd it go and he's like yeah i mean we had fun but like we made like 50 bucks there's like 10 kids there for two or three hours and like, it's like donations only right donations and like and they were not like they weren't doing it in beverly hills where people like 
accidentally drop five hundred dollars, you know, and forget about it. Like it, it was like just a normal it. town, right? And and that's the thing. Like you have all the youth that are wanting to go to camp that show up, they spend three hours of their time, and you're like, hey guys, we made 50 bucks. Let's divide it by the 10 of you. You each can buy a Coke at camp. Like, yeah. But there's some of these fundraisers that people are like, but it's so fun. So that that's an interesting point for me related to why we do some of the fundraisers. Hey, you're a fundraiser. Right? Get it. There, there is... There is an element of community building that can be a part of fundraising stuff. Right. Yeah. But if you're offering something to be community building, then you need to offer it straight out. Jared, just like you were saying, like, be honest with the church budget, be honest with the purpose of the gathering or be honest with the purpose of getting together. If you're going to do car washes and you want to do them as donation only for uh, volunteers or for a, a, a retirement community that would not get their cars washed any other way. Um, it's a community building exercise. It's not a fundraiser. Right. Right. You can do a random act of kindness. Just show up, do a pop-up car wash. Hey, everybody free car wash because we're awesome. Like making it fun is important, right? Like it's for your youth and it's an opportunity to get, get your program's name out there. Yeah. But again, you know, like you're saying, like, you put all that effort in, you make the signs, you find a place that will let you like have their water for free, which isn't always the, you know, like mm-hmm. Arby's might not want you in their parking lot, <laughs> right. you know? And so it's having the material, like there's, there's overhead to that, you know, and it's personal capital that you're spending as well. And you just got to, if your youth group really loves doing those car washes and it's just like a fun thing for y'all to do, maybe your church is like on a really active block and it's a cool way to get outside and like enjoy company, mm-hmm. especially in, in days when you're not supposed to be inside together, like go mm-hmm. outside and have a car wash. Um, yeah. I think and, part of it yeah. is like analyzing, analyzing mm-hmm. the history. Yeah. You know, like we've done this every year and we've only made 10 bucks. Right. Right. We shouldn't do this ever again. Yeah. No, that's, that's the thing. Uh, Jared, I'm going to be totally curious about your take on this one. Um, because something else that I tried that really had, um, I don't know, virtually no effect on fundraising at all. And so I don't consider it very effective is something like branded apparel. Yes. Uh, and I'm curious about your take on this one because one of the church starts that you were at, right, was Union Coffee Shop. And I know that you're always trying to figure out different ways to uh, get money into the church. And if I walk into a coffee shop, odds are there might be a shirt or a hat or a something like that. But uh, those were given away for free, Jeremy Steele. Don't you dare. I'm, hol- I'm, holding, I'm holding a piece of, of branded swag those from were, Chris's those were ministry. Thank you gifts, and they were not offered as fundraisers. <laughs> Where's mine, Chris? You need Where's to come mine? and lead a workshop at the next youth event in uh, Daytona Beach, Jared, in 2023. That's what you need to do. All right, yeah. bro. And then you get a mug, or yeah. I don't know. It, maybe it'll be an insulated water bottle since we'll be your, your, fu- but, your, your seminar could be entitled bottle. that. So. All right, bro. Um, but yeah honestly like so so branded apparel right jared like if you order a bunch of this stuff and you end up with a room full of shirts and sweatpants and hats and whatever 
that have your church's name or your youth group, you know, logo on it. And you make two or three bucks per item of clothing, but you never sell as many as you order. Right. Oh, and I, gosh, I think that that's a waste. I do think having church apparel is really important. Yeah. Like you put that into the budget and you give it away. When we launched our new faith community in Burleson family style, um, we bought a bunch of shirts. We spent 500 bucks on shirts to give away yep. to get the name out in the community. So like, yeah, like have a youth ministry shirt. Maybe you take a donation for it, but you don't, you know, you're not going to make a profit on it. Yeah. And, and you're going to have a t-shirt for your youth retreat, right? That's the one they're all going to want anyway. Like, And please get a comfy t-shirt that they're going to want to wear. You know, <laughs> like I'm a really <laughs> get your... Are you a Come t-shirt snob? Are you Am I playing too many cards time? right now? <laughs> <laughs> the other one that I'll loop in there with the with the branded apparel piece is uh, stickers. Yep. Um, do not order stickers and sell stickers because even if they get purchased, uh, your youth will stick them all over the neighborhood in places that they should not be stuck. Um, and then you will get conversations from police and community members that do not appreciate your youth group tagging stop signs and everything else that you find your stickers on. Yeah. I would say I will push back on that one as a fundraiser. It sucks. Okay. So I'm just going to lay that out there, but, uh, but you just got to know your youth. If they're going <laughs> to, they're going to put them all over stop signs. Don't do it. But our, <laughs> our kids, the last two churches I've been at, they they're in the water bottle club. Mm-hmm. Right. Where, where we get a little, they have to take them to school. We get a little spot on their water bottle. If we give them a thing, we never can't sell them. Don't. Yeah. Just Again, it's, it's, a, it's a give thing, not a sell thing. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. Uh, Jared, one of the other ones that is interesting for us to talk to you about uh, has to do with, again, like you have served churches in the Dallas Metro area. Uh, you've been at Burleson, which is a pretty good sized United Methodist church. And now you find yourself uh, in Paris, which is a smaller church. Um, And one of the things that Jeremy and I don't think works very well is asking the same people over and over and over again, uh, especially if they are faithful church givers um, who are already kind of meeting their tithe or giving to the general church budget anyway. And then you're hitting them up constantly for extra money. So in your opinion, effective, not effective, what does that do to a church? I so all right, putting on like my like stewardship associate pastor hat. Um you you can't keep going back to this. They are tired. Yep. But a sign of any good stewardship campaign is the number of new givers that you get. Right? This is what this is, and it's what works now. Every donation matters. So I think you got to emphasize that. Like if somebody can only donate five bucks to your youth program, like that needs to be celebrated. Jesus celebrated the small gift, not the big gift, right? Like those that are giving for show. That being said, you know, there are some miracle givers out in your community that are just waiting for an opportunity, you know, like who are you talking to? Um, And one of the things that worked really well at Union um, the coffee shop church was, was matching gifts. You know, yep. every once in a while, a, a donor would come through and say like the North Texas giving day is a big thing around here. And, uh, it's run by the community foundations of Texas. Um, and it's like just, a 
generosity celebrating extravaganza that goes all over the state and you can register for it. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, churches can register for those things too. Uh, it's a special category, but one of the things that um, they would do at union and is, is there are a couple of wealthy donors that just support it from behind the scenes, retired pastors, things like that. And they would say, Hey, you know, we will give up to $10,000 in matching for the first $10,000 that are given. Usually those people would give that amount anyway. You know, that's the thing, right? Like it feels kind of like stingy. You say like, I've got up to $20,000 to give to this project, but I'm only going to give it if other people give it. Um, most people don't play that play that way um, in the church setting. And I'm really thankful for that. But, you know, do you have somebody that say you're going to have like a, I don't know, what's another tired fundraiser, the spaghetti supper or something like that. Right. Um, which can be really fun to bring How back and you? like so fun. I love spaghetti. Was that on your oh, was that on your list? Oh, it's on my list. Oh, it's on, on my list, list right? Especially um, if you lose the person that was so great at cooking it in the first place. But go right. on. Just yeah. get spaghetti is. Spaghetti is fine. Like, Same. We've this got uh, an anonymous. Anonymous, I think, is important too. Like it shouldn't be about celebrating an individual human, right? This is about the kingdom and raising up youth leaders or whatever ministry you're fundraising for. Like this person is willing to give us $10,000 for the first $10,000 that are donated tonight. Mm-hmm. Like let's dig into your pockets a little bit. Um, yeah. like, and I think the other piece with that is, you know, we don't want to go back to the same people, which means that we can choose to, to target other yeah. populations in our community. Right. So there's some fundraisers and in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll go through a bunch of great fundraisers Um but, th- but there's some fundraisers that instead of targeting your church as the people that will be giving, it's targeting local businesses, right? Yeah. Or advertising or, you know, all of that finding, you know, when you sit down and look at your fundraisers and you say, okay, who can, who could I target to be the, like the people who are, who are going to give, it doesn't always have to be the people who are sitting in a pew or in a zoom on Sunday mornings. Right. What I think and that that can usually tie into whatever, whatever you're fundraising for. Like if your youth is fundraising for like a social justice project inside the community, yeah, you know, like go to the local construction company. Mm -hmm. Can we get some, you know, we want to build bunk beds for kids. Yeah. You know, they'll wholesale it to you at the least, you know, if they know. And then you say, thank you to, you know, you know, California lumber or whatever it is for sponsoring and like yeah. that clout and yep. like you get to do something great for the community and, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. So, you know, let's, let's go back, circle back on um, another sort of fundraiser that's frustrating at best. Um, though it sometimes can really meet that dollar requirement, right? You can make a lot of money on it. That, so back when I, <laughs> so I'm going to date myself. When yes, I please. first started doing youth ministry over 20 years ago, the really cool fundraiser that everybody, like when you went to the youth ministry conference, like there was a, there was a business that would help you with this. Um, it was called flocking. Have you ever heard of flocking? 
Yeah, no, so you, tell me about it, Jeremy. Uh, well, why? Also has no, a cousin named thanks for asking, Jared. Forking, yes. Forking. Yes. There's a toilet papering version of this, but the idea is that the flocking was you got a bunch of ugly yard flamingos and you put them in somebody's yard as a joke with a sign like you've been flocked by you just got flocked you just you got, got flocked over by yeah. our music. it's just yeah. some, somebody would flocking somebody crazy would pay you right like like somebody would give us. you the address that they wanted these birds at yeah. right they would pay you to go place the birds uh-huh. and, and then you as would, a added amount of money you could buy insurance against the flocking Yep, but it only counted for one flocking. So if for somebody a small bought, you could get them taken out early as well and send yes. them back. Yeah, and here's the reason I think it's a bad idea. I would love to hear what you guys think. I think anything that is a prank that makes somebody experience something negative about your church or ministry ultimately is not going to benefit the church and your ministry, right? If they walk out in their super pristine gated neighborhood and there's forks in their lawn or toilet paper in their trees or ugly yard animals, um, ultimately it's not going to go well. People get mad, right? I've heard stories of people who didn't show up for a couple of weeks when the flocking thing was happening and they might have bought insurance, but they didn't even get a chance. And then they had these flamingos. Cause they, cause like people are like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to get the like really rich guy at the church. We're going to just, everybody's going to put it in his yard, 20 days worth of it or whatever. <laughs> right. And they got mad. <laughs> well, and, and they demanded and- they be removed from their lawn. Right. And, and at the end of the day, like they had to be removed. And then all, and then all the people who donated to have that, it was, yeah, it's not. Well, and, and I was at a church that the flocking was a thing for sure. Um, and so it comes in waves. We, yeah. we had to have a closet full of these birds. Oh, geez. Yeah. Right. Because you have to store them somewhere when they're not in somebody's yard. So it eats up space. Um, even if the homeowner doesn't get mad, if your church is in ministry in a place where you have homeowners associations, um, speaking of reputations that you get going right. through your church in the neighborhood, like we got a lot of letters from the HOAs, right? <laughs> that um, awesome. the homeowner would pass on to us and be like, hey, I got this letter from the HOA that says I installed a non-approved lawn ornament. And I'm like, ah, yes. What HOA would have approved 75 flamingos? I have no idea. Um, and so then you'd have to like speed up the, the picking up of them. And then the other thing is like, you know, I mean, once upon a time that one of the pitches was that your youth would do this for you because they love to be out at night on, you know, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever. Um, cause you want to flock somebody when they're not at home or when they're not going to see. So it's a surprise when they wake up, but so some churches, you know, just don't want to take on the risk anymore of inviting youth to be out on the you know, streets doing that kind of pranking behavior um, at weird hours because we live in a different world than youth ministry was in 20 years ago, um, as well as sometimes they just wouldn't show up to place them or pick them up. And so then guess who gets to do it? 
Yep. Minister. The youth minister. So you get to drive around spending your own gas and your own time uh, picking these things up. And again, you have to kind of count that in the effectiveness of the fundraiser because yeah. you're spending your own time and money to do it. Sorry, Jared. Yes. Youth ministers should also talk about getting mileage reimbursement with their churches, given that they drive around so much, but that's probably another thing to talk about. Right. I get mileage reimbursement as a pastor. Um, my employees should get the same, you know, that's just how I feel. We, we could not agree more um, yeah. related to the fundraising. Like I would feel much better about reimbursing mileage for somebody that's going out to do Bible studies or, you know, groups at a school or something like that, as opposed to, Hey, I had to spend 70 miles uh, picking up flamingos from eight different houses. You should also have a budget for meals with students. How many youth ministers do that out of their own pocket? Like the most important ministry that you do. So the flocking thing, you know, seems to come around like every once in a while. I think there are a couple of big questions. Y'all bring up a lot of questions like do your research. Is this something that will actually work in your community? But isn't like another one of those too. Like, can this really build like some community buy-in? Like, does your church actually think it's fun? There's always going to be somebody with any of these things that's going to say, I hate this idea. Don't do it. There's there mm-hmm. always, you know, <laughs> do you have a no-fly list? They shouldn't have to buy insurance, right? Like that's another fun way to raise. But if if somebody says, don't do this in my house, you got to honor that. And then you got to tell the person that wants to donate, like they've already told us, no, they've already opted out. We're not going to do it. Um, But also there's accessibility stuff. Um, You know, it can often be kind of an in crowd thing. Like they flocked my yard again and then somebody else doesn't get flocked. And they're like, why didn't they want to flock my yard? You know, like, so there's, there's accessibility stuff. There's in you know, there are pitfalls in everything and you can't let that hold you back from like running after a good idea and trying it sometimes, but mm. you got to be willing to evaluate. I know you're talking about that kind of thing later, but like, you know, was it worth what you put into it? Like, is this going to build a bad reputation for my students? Is this going to ruin the vibe of a growing and vibrant youth group? You know, am I going to lose adult volunteers over this that are so hard to find no matter yeah. what ministry you're doing? Um, is it going to create too much nonsensical work on the youth minister that isn't worth the effort? Right. Um, yeah, you bring that up. And, and I think that's another piece that doesn't work. Um, it, it, that's the youth minister doing the fundraisers. So mm-hmm. the with fundraisers can be a, a lot of overhead. Um, and if, if your job really is to like build, build into the lives of teenagers, um, running around, picking up flamingos that just takes time away from like meaningful ministry. And so one of the things that I think is important is if you're going to do fundraisers and and my, my recommendation is if you do fundraisers, you need to do big ones that create a lot of money. Um, so that you're not, so, you know, you're not getting there. Um, you need to get somebody who is like passionate and pumped about this fundraiser. That's got the right kind of, you know, skills and personality in that to make it happen and then just help them do the fundraiser. Right. It's, if you've got to raise a, a significant amount of money, it is worth really digging in and trying to recruit a volunteer that will 
handle most of that for you. And, and that might be the only thing they do, right? They might not ever lead a Bible study. They might not ever go on the trips that they're funding. Um, but if you've got people in your church, especially people that are doing this as a job, like, you know, people that are development people in, in other nonprofits, um, get them to help you and just turn it over, like resource them so that you're not having to spend all your time there. Well, I think that's that's a thing about this that I think, Jeremy, that's really important. Like, the generosity is part of being a disciple of Jesus. Yep. Like, putting your gifts in, in service to the church is part of being a disciple of Jesus. You know, like, and it seems like it should be a no-brainer, but, like, you've got this good idea. Like, have you prayed over it? Have you entered into the relevant conversations? Have you prayed for God to bring in the right people to help you do it? You know, and mm-hmm. like, if you can't have the right people to help, if your youth aren't willing to participate and put like legwork into it, it's not the right idea. You know, you can't, you know, force a square peg into a round hole. Like you, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And that's also completely okay. Yeah. Like, it's okay to say this isn't the time. Probably one of the most successful uh, youth ministry fundraisers I've been a part of recently was actually a, a talent show. It was a talent show dinner that we did back in Burleson and uh, they hadn't done like a big fundraiser in a while. They'd done things like youth share sales and and things like that. That can be really good or really bad. If you're calling the cold calling the wrong person, you know, if it's an opportunity for youth to be abused or yelled at, like don't create, you know, (laughs) like don't, don't do that. Don't put your youth out there to fight the church's battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A battle that a, a pastor or an adult should be fighting. Don't put your youth in risky situations. But this the spaghetti dinner. <laughs> they hadn't done it in years. They combined it with a, a talent show that was church-wide and the youth facilitated it. Yeah. They served, they helped prepare, youth parents helped cook, um, youth performed music and comedy and magic acts. And we had 20 acts and we kind of made it like a you know, a, a competition and we had jars out for dollars and whoever raised the most money won the competition. And so of course it was a fifth grade girl. I didn't win, even though me and my daughter did really well. A for <laughs> We did really good singing. You've got a friend in me. Um, it was adorable. There's a video out there somewhere, <laughs> but it created a community experience where, you know, it wasn't just a, you know, it wasn't worship. It was just, it was just good for the community. It brought new people in that saw a really beautiful and welcoming place. They ran an event, but they didn't do it the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because our youth director was wise enough and had had the right conversations to say, if I do this every year, it becomes a tradition. It was a lot of hard work. It worked this year, but if I put in those hundreds of hours, you know, both myself and with volunteers and spend that capital and we don't make the same, it's going to look like a failure. So like, sometimes it's okay to say that was really great last year. You know, maybe that's an every other year fundraiser. They were fundraising for um, the big young people's conference. Mm-hmm. They were sending 10 youth to, and so that was, that was also the generating idea for the fundraiser that was communicated. And I think that's a big part of any fundraising process is what are you fundraising for? Are you clearly communicating goals? Are you clearly communicating why we're fundraising? 
And that's where the church needs to help you out. Like it is not, I'm going to say, it's not sexy just to fundraise for the budget. It, that that's absolutely something that does not work. Right. It, it doesn't. Yeah, for sure. Saying the youth, the youth just need money, right? That, yep. that yeah. does not work at all. It, yep. it, it doesn't help. So like, what's the story behind it? What's the, where's, where's the fruit going to be? What's the success leading into it? Um, and how were youth involved in telling that story? Um, it, you, you made some really, really great points with that one. And, and a couple of the points you made remind me of one of the other, in my mind, ineffective or overused fundraisers that, that I would not encourage people to do. Um, before I get into it, I should say your observation about paying attention to what works and what doesn't work in your context is pretty huge, right? Yeah. Like just because we have named selling stuff from a catalog or car washes or yeah. flocking, or, you know, if it happens to work in your context and you know it works and why it works, then it works for, for it. you, but it was, may not work anywhere. It, it may be the exception. Yeah. Flocking really worked in last year because it's, it's outside. It creates community and contact points without, you know, when you can't gather like, and, and do, you know, the big dinner fundraiser because everybody will catch COVID and you created a super spreader event mm-hmm. in your community. Like, I'm kind of curious to see like what ideas did youth directors come up with in an extraordinary season that did help sustain. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be able to share a couple of those stories in the coming weeks. The, uh, the last one that I, I feel like is, is a little bit ineffective and a little bit overused. Um, and the comments you made that made me think of it uh, are about that in crowd, out crowd kind of a thing, mm-hmm. uh, as well as putting your youth in risky situations. Um, I've been part of several churches that have done like a teen laborers, sort of a fundraiser, right? Where youth can make themselves available to be hired out at X amount of dollars per hour and somebody can buy them um, to do stuff at their house. And honestly, the risks that go with that are pretty huge. Um, And then there's also this really kind of funky psychological part with that as well, Mm -hmm. where a youth may feel devalued if they are not chosen or if they're not bidded on, you know? Yeah. Um, And so that, that one in my mind too much risk, not enough reward, and the dynamics of putting a youth on site without adult support or supervision feels very, very risky. Uh, in addition to somebody, you know, maybe being like, oh my gosh, well, you know, Greg was bought for $500 and somebody only paid 30 bucks for me. Yeah. What does that mean about my worth to this community? There are all kinds of things that are wrong. It, it, yeah. Just so, like, and so every, many things. Everybody's done it. And I just, there's a lot about that. That's like inappropriate. Now I think devaluing people is really like, and let's just be honest. It was always inappropriate, (laughs) but especially if it, it, depending on the name that was chosen for that particular fundraiser. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, here's the thing we've got so much to, to say about fundraisers because it's, it's one of the, like, I feel like it's one of the most, like stock things that you have to do in youth ministry. And I think it gets the least amount of people's real processing time, right? It's like, Oh, we're going to do a fundraiser. Oh, this thing's worked. Great. Which is actually what next week is about. So next week, we're going to talk about how to evaluate a fundraiser and not just because it's not just how much money you make. Um, You sometimes you can make 
a lot of money and it could be a complete failure as a fundraiser. And, uh, and so we're going to talk through that uh, next week. Um, and, uh, and, and as part of this now, but this is like, um, this is part of an ebook series that uh, we are uh, in the process of releasing. Chris, can you tell us about that ebook series? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so by the end of September, 2021, Young People's Ministries will have six different really short ebooks published. Uh, and each of them are going to be in the family of crash courses in youth ministry. Um, uh, now, when I say crash course, that doesn't mean that we're just going to like put you behind the wheel of the church bus and tell you <laughs> good luck on the way down the hill. Um, crashing something means that you're giving all of your energy and all of your time <clears throat> towards one very specific topic so that you right. can understand it as quickly as possible. Uh, so the crash courses in youth ministry are really about six to 10 really basic uh, functions and, and areas of knowledge that are important for somebody that's leading a youth ministry to have. Uh, and as we've already talked about, fundraising is going to be one of those things. So uh, this week, in addition to the next two to three weeks of our uh, youth worker recharge time are going to be spent pulling apart uh, this like 3000 word ebook on fundraising. Um, and now that you have some ideas of what not to do, uh, my encouragement for youth workers this week might be to look at those fundraisers that are in place at your local church and, you know, really start to think about, are they valuable for you? Are they valuable mm -hmm. for the ministry? Do they have a positive impact on your church and your community? And if not, <clears throat> write them down and think about the issues that you might have with them. And next week, we're going to talk about uh, ways that you can really evaluate successful fundraisers before we transition into, here's some great ideas that we have come across in the last year to year and a half um, that seem to be working really well and are not overused yet. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, in a nutshell, that that's what we have coming. And and Jared, uh, you have signed up for hanging out with us all September. So yes. uh, I hope your first one was a, a reasonably positive experience, <laughs> even though we were talking about maybe the not so fun aspects of fundraising. I think, you know, part of what this conversation can do is hopefully flip the switch to change like from anxiety over fundraising to yeah. how you can create an ex excitement about it. Yeah. Because it's, it's just part of what we have to do if we're in ministry. So how do we make it, how do we make it good for, for us as staff people, but also wonderful for the community as a way to create community buy-in? So I'm, I'm excited to keep chatting with you guys. Yeah, we are too. Uh, Jared, thank you today. And, and Jeremy, thank you as well. Uh, in the meantime, uh, when those ebooks launch, they will be on the United Methodist Young People's website, which is umcyoungpeople.org.